Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Tuesday, March 28th, 2023, and it is a blessed Tuesday, or happy Tuesday, of course. All right, we'll continue our catechesis today in John's Gospel. We're going to uh, jump from uh, Jesus washing the disciples' feet and the command to love, that is to forgive, and um, resume, actually, after his long upper room discourse, which is unique to John, which you'll hear next week uh, in our daily prayer, uh, now with the arrest in John 18. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Memory verse. Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. The power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, meaning it's not mine, but it's given to me, right? And that's at the beginning. My grace is sufficient for you, right? And so you have this, uh, uh, it's called a chiasm in literature, where you, uh, the first and last point match, and then the interior points match, and sometimes there's more interior points, right? Um, you might think it as A, B, B, A, right? So my grace is sufficient, you, corresponds to the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then uh, B would be my strength is made perfect in weakness. I most gladly, or I will rather gladly boast in my infirmities, right? Strength made perfect in weakness, boast in my infirmities. Those go together. See how that works? All right, it's classic, uh, well, not just poetry, but uh, literary form. You'll see it all over the place. All right. It ends up being a form of logic, really. And then our Psalm for uh, the week is Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Open God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. All right, no glory of patri. We're in Passion Tide. Um, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Sounds very similar to Abraham on Sunday in Genesis 22, right? Um, when he speaks to the servants and actually say, we will return to you. Speaking of he and uh, and Isaac, even though he had been commanded by the Lord to go and sacrifice Isaac. So what does that tell us about Abraham's faith, namely in the resurrection? This morning we talked about the psalm um, having at least three like layers of meaning or like, you know, like the peel or like an onion, right? You can peel it back. Um, the first being, of course, David. This is a psalm of David, right? And so he prays it. Um, but also then it becomes a psalm that he gives to his son, so Solomon and the sons after him, and that thereby to the church, right? So we can pray this psalm, 
Uh, I think, especially in the context of, you know, uh, those, um, uh, the family and the congregation there in, uh, families, I should say, in Nashville uh, with the school shooting, right? Yesterday, a covenant Presbyterian um, church and school. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of my uh, enemy, right? And I'm sure they, um, like us, take refuge in God uh, and not in ourselves, especially in a time like that, right? Um, and they shall see the resurrection. That's our confession. Right? And God willing, they believe that too. Um, of course, an ungodly people and an unjust man. We talked about this on Sunday. This was in the sermon, right? Where, um, unfortunately, in a way, we're praying against ourselves there and the way that we um, do not live according to God's word. <clears throat> we're especially praying against those, um, maybe even near and dear to us, who are opposed to God and his word, right? And uh, and we asking, we're asking God to vindicate us. That is to um, or vindicate our my cause, right? Uh, which is the cause of the gospel, which um, does bring about um, well some pushback, as we talked about in the sermon on Sunday. Um, so, we, but part of vindication, of course, is that God's word be spoken. That's the only way that God can vindicate us is actually by His word. And so, um, one of the things that we're not allowed to do today is ask questions when there's a we're told it's a senseless tragedy and leave it to the experts to find out the truth, right? But don't you don't ask questions. Don't ask, um, was this, why was this person being um, transitioning? Why were they given, be giving hormones that don't belong in their body or aren't theirs, um, aren't natural to their body? Um, why did they own guns when um, the mom, or why did he, he or she, whatever you want to say, own gun guns, even though mom was a fiercely anti-gun why were there um, anti-gun lobbyists on site immediately after the shooting? These are all questions that one must ask. Um, and why would there be a school shooting just a week after a huge campaign was launched against the state of Tennessee and their um, laws prohibiting transitioning children uh, from one sex to another, which is all a non sequitur anyway, but that's what uh, that's the words that our culture uses. Those are questions that you're not allowed to ask. We're just told to call it senseless violence, right? beyond our control, nothing that we could ever do about it. Or maybe there is, right? And in this case, it's to speak God's word um, truthfully and boldly um, and without fear and trust in God to vindicate our cause, right? So, um, yeah, more than once here, especially over the last three years or so, uh, we've been told, don't ask questions, don't question authority, don't push back, don't, um, you know, don't try to seek the truth. Well, how else are we going to know what the you know, what happens, <laughs> right? Uh, Trust not in rulers, the psalmist says. They are but mortal. Actually, that's the hymn and the psalm. All right, so that's the second level of meaning. Like, how does it apply to us? And when when, when might we pray this in times of turmoil and distress, right? Uh, of course, the other layer of meaning, which we emphasize often, on, especially on Saturday mornings, um, is how, do, how could Jesus pray this psalm, right? When would Jesus pray this psalm? And the children immediately jumped on this, especially the older and and the more uh, uh, skilled at pattern recognition, right? Um, they're like, oh, the holy hill, that's Calvary. You are correct, right? Um, and then, But then and I had to push the envelope a little bit. Well, where's the altar of God then? If, the, if it's on the holy hill, where was the altar upon which Christ was killed? Oh, that's the cross is the altar, right? Which um, that was actually, I think, I don't know, five or six-year-old <laughs> made that connection. It's just beautiful, beautiful, right? Um, and of course, 
Um, they immediately caught on, cast down my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? That sounds like the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Who are the enemies? Um, who are the ungodly people and the deceitful and unjust men? We have, you know, obviously the, the, the Jews, and we also have Pontius Pilate and others, right, who put him on try, trial unjustly and without cause, right? And then, of course, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation, my God. What a confession of the resurrection, right? So you see, um, you hear it as a Psalm of David, probably particular to a particular occasion, right? Or maybe maybe more broadly applied to his life and various various events. Also a psalm that we could pray, but because we are in Christ, we also hear uh, these as words of Christ. Good. Okay. And then of civil government, Romans 13, we pray. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Right? Whether he knows it or knows it not, which is certainly the case with um, Pontius Pilate with Caiaphas, um, and today we'll even hear of Annas. Annas, all right, all right. By the way, um, submitting to governing authorities doesn't mean doing whatever they tell you, <laughs> which we've talked about. It doesn't also mean believing everything they say to you. Uh, we submit to them as they have been established by God, right? Um, where their authority is in congruence with God's word. Where it violates God's word, of course. And we must obey God rather than men. And Paul just assumes you know that because you've he assumes you've read the rest of Romans, <laughs> the first 12 chapters, for example. All right. Always a problem with um, reading just a few verses out of context. You don't necessarily see everything that's going on there. Right. Uh, maybe it's also worth saying, sometimes the governing authority brings about punishment upon us even we, when we don't recognize them as God's agent. So maybe they don't recognize themselves that, that way, nor do we. Right? Okay. Um, you're right, um, Vicky. Thanks for being a great example, speaking boldly. Um, I think we have to, like we did on mentioned on Sunday in Bible class, um, um, be sure to point out the language games that are being played in our in our culture and our society among the media, especially where they can't even decide whether to refer to the person as male or female because of all the the word games that are being played with uh, with gender. Right. So that's something that needs to be pointed out, which then leads us to the idea that uh, this person is allowed to transition from one sex to another, which that should be, um, uh, should actually be uh, um, spoken against, um, and also needs to be called what it is, which is at least mental illness, if not derangement, and even worse, demonic possession. All right. Um, called out for what that is, right? And that it's great spiritual distress. Um, also, we have to recognize that there is, uh, there's always more than one narrative at play, and there's People will easily take a crisis and use it for um, ill-gotten gains, right? For purposes that um, are even outside the shooter's motive. I think we also need to be careful to, to point out um, the way that our public rhetoric is not helpful. Um, the role of social media in this in this case in particular, um, which won't be talked about too much, but there's quite a bit of social media that hasn't been scrubbed yet, so you can still actually read uh, what this person was saying and how um, our, our social media actually puts us into, um, this isn't true everywhere, but it's definitely true in our country, uh, largely just puts us into silos of um, like-minded people. Uh, no, that isn't, that's what we're told. That's not actually what happens. 
our social media intentionally puts people who antagonize us in our face, right? So it intentionally tries to aggravate us, divide us, um, make us uh, partisan and divis divide, not recognize our commonality, right? So um, be careful about that too. Yeah, there's all sorts of things that could be said. Well, we're not supposed to say anything. Of course, we, like I said, <laughs> we've experienced this quite a bit, uh, particularly in regard to COVID. What questions are you not allowed to ask? Those are probably the ones you should be, right? If you're told not that that's not something that you can that you can question, then you probably need to question it, all right? Uh, and then you know, if you're wrong, um, they'll have a defense, right? There'll be there'll be truth to speak against uh, the falsehood that you come to believe, right? So that also means you should be open to correction um, where you're wrong as well. All right, so lots of things that could be said. Of course, school shootings, um, you know, making them such a big deal uh, also amplifies the effect that they have, which then <laughs> uh, inadvertently promotes um, them as a reasonable response uh, to some some cause that you want to make make known, which is not helpful either. All right, all right. Speaking of uh, lamenting the state of this world, um, from Lamentations chapter three, remember my affliction and roaming the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait, or hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust, there may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him and be full of reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever, though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. Again, uh, a lament of Solomon, or excuse me, of Jeremiah, um, a lament that certainly we can pray and a lament that Christ himself would pray on his way to the cross, right? And note, um, we've talked a little bit about, yeah, God's uh, opus alienum and his opus propter. I think that was a couple weeks ago in Bible study, and here it is. For he does not willing, afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men, right? The God's the affliction that he uh, even allows us to bear or places upon us is um, it's foreign to him, right? It's alien to him. It's not, it's not his primary purpose or his chief purpose. It's only secondary to the chief aim, which is repentance for the forgiveness of sins, right? That we hope in him, that we confess his mercy and receive it. Okay. Speaking of, here's our catechesis. We're going to read from uh, John 18, right? Oh, I didn't actually greet you in the chat, so let me do that quick. Uh, Vicky's there. Mom's there. Michael's on YouTube. Karen's on Facebook. Gus and Eileen are Facebook. Lori and Don and Karen are all on Facebook. Good to have you here with us today. All those watching uh, stealthily or later in the day or listening, uh, greetings to you as well. All right, John 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew that place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Therefore Jesus, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Jesus answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Or they answered him, I should say. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am, 
he. They drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. Here, we'll just fix it. (laughs) Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, of those whom you gave me I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captains and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, so did the other, another disciple. That, now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood uh, at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of the man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made um, a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Then the high priest then, or the high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And I And in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness to the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of the disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Okay. So, uh, as I pointed out to the children, I think I pointed out to you here too, it's always worth trying to pay attention to some details. Uh, each, Each evangelist has... I don't want to say different priorities, but certainly different emphases and um, and a few small details, especially with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John, on the other hand, usually has some pretty significant um, indications for us that are supposed to draw our attention. All right, and the first one here is the location. Right, it's, there is the garden, but it's um, not named. And Calvary, Calvary, or excuse me, uh, Mount of Olives is not named, but actually the valley right next to it with a with a creek in it, right? The Brook Kedron. Um, this should draw your attention to a very important story um, with David in 2 Samuel 25, or 15, I should say. Let me get there. I put it in the wrong spot. All right, so um, we'll just jump in here. And David said to Ittai, go then, pass on. So Ittai the Gittite passed on with all his men and the little ones who were with him. And all the land wept aloud as all the people passed by. And the king crossed the brook Kidron, and all the people passed on toward the wilderness. So this is David fleeing um, from um, Absalom, right? And those whom he had enlisted to his cause, especially Ahithophel, right? And Abiathar came up, and behold, Zadok 
came also with all the Levites bearing the Ark of the Covenant of God. And they set down the Ark of of God until all the people had passed out of the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and let me see both it and his dwelling place. But if he, God says, I have no pleasure in him, behold, here I am, let him do to me what seems good to me. All right. So then the ark goes back into uh, Jerusalem. David goes up the Mount of Olives and weeps as he went barefoot with his head covered. Right. All of this is uh, um, background to our Lord's suffering and death, crossing the brook Kidron, going up the Mount of Olives and to pray before his death. Right. Of course, David doesn't die, whereas his son does, Jesus. Okay. So again, a garden. Um, of course, gardens are important. Now there's another famous story in a garden. That would be the garden um, where man fell into sin. Um, we know John has that in mind because that's how he begins the gospel, right? <clears throat> in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and Him was life. Or He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and not uh, and without Him, not, not anything was made that was made. In Him was life, and He was the life of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, right? But in Him, um, all right. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. All right, of course, then the fall into sin, and now the reversal of that, and then bringing uh, the church into the new garden, right, of Zion. Uh, okay, the people come out carrying, I think this is different, right, not clubs and swords, but lanterns, torches, and weapons, so a little bit different. And then, as you heard me read, I think it's important to note here, uh, you can see that if you're if you're watching the video, um, New King James here italicizes he to indicate that it was added to the text. The text actually would read more like this. Jesus said to them, I am, right? Now that's significant, right? Jesus identifying himself uh, with the Old Testament God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? The one who told Moses, who shall I say sent me? I am, right? And we know, this is why it's, it's silly to not translate it um, directly, because we know that the people understood because of their, their posture. They respond to that word uh, with, with a response of prayer, right? They fall down to the ground and, uh, and bowing their heads, right? Um, this is sacred ground, holy ground. Um, then we also learn something important about his suffering and death, right? That, it, um, that he goes willingly, right? So that he could bear their suffering. Let these go their way, right? But he's... he's interacting with them and there's no like there is a betrayal by judas but the emphasis here is on jesus um willing suffering and death i know when we covered this went through john's gospel and bible study we we made that emphasis um i no one takes my life i lay it down of my own accord he says i think in john 10 right let's see here john 10 yeah there it is for this reason the father loves me because i lay down my life that i may take it up again no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have no authority, or I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Right. So that's an emphasis in John. That's unique here. Jesus does all this under his own, um, well, willingly. Right. And then we have this wonderful teaching of gospel here in verses eight and nine. Right. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Let these go their way. Right. Uh, a murderer they save, the prince of life they slay right? He lets the prisoners go free. He suffered the punishment of sins that we may be freed, right? He becomes a slave that we would be set set um, into freedom. 
All right, uh, we find out which disciple actually draws the sword. That's unique here, Simon Peter. We know um, who he strikes, which is a high priest's servant. And we even know the high, and right ear. <laughs> and we know his name, Malchus. All right, so that's, uh, that's a lot of interesting detail there. All right, and then he, but he tells Peter, that this is not the way we're going. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Right, he gives us the cup of blessing, which he blesses. Right, the participation in the body and blood of Christ, or the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ, as Paul says? And then, um, but the cup that he drinks is the cup of God's wrath and suffering. Right, the bitter cup, the cup, cup of bitter water, if you like. Right. Um, what did they do when they arrested Jesus? Oh, I didn't talk about this with the children. I ran out of time. They bound him. Uh, if you remember Sunday's Old Testament text from Genesis 22. Who else was bound to be offered as a sacrifice? Yeah, that would be uh, Isaac, bound by his father, Abraham. All right. And then uniquely here in John, they take him uh, immediately to Annas, right? Who's uh, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. And probably both uh, Levitical uh, priestly families. And so um, they would rotate the high priest vocation. Of course, who's really the high priest? Is it Annas? Is it Caiaphas? Are they kind of, are they instrument, instruments of the high priest, which is Jesus, right, who's offering himself as the sacrifice, all right? And then this statement in verse 14 is really uh, important. It is expedient that one man should die for the people. It's, that's actually a fulfillment of the Old Testament, isn't it? One man, right? So the anointed high priest is declaring that one man, Jesus, would die for the sins of the people, and then he carries out that sacrifice by having Jesus crucified but once and for all, and not just... Uh, the goat that would be slain once a year. All right. And then we cut scenes. This happens a lot in John, back and forth, back and forth. Right. So you kind of have to, if you've got an English Bible, they usually put a pretty significant paragraph break between when we're cutting scenes so that you realize what's going on. Because we cut back outside into the courtyard and there's um, Simon Peter, along with another disciple who I would suggest is John, the evangelist. All right. And uh, interesting that John has access to the courtyard because he knows the high priest. Um, there's a lot of people who dispute that because they say, how could um, you know a son of a fisherman from Galilee know the high priest? Right? Well, we don't know how he knows, but he does know him. All right. And certainly we know that uh, the mother of the sons of Zebedee has been dwelling in Jerusalem too. It's really hard to know why, but he does. All right. So Peter was standing outside, and but because John has access, then he uh, motions to have him let in, right? Because um, this is a famous person's house. Not anybody can be in the courtyard, right? Um, the servant girl who lets him in, though, asks, right, are you one of the uh, this man's disciples? Again, emphasis on the man. Behold the man, Pontius Pilate will say. Of course, he denies it. Not I am he, but I am not he. <laughs> you see how Peter is quite unlike Jesus. All right, and then we have the fire, charcoal fire, and they move there because it's cold. All right, warmed himself. Of course, there's light there in the midst of darkness again. All right, and then we cut back to Jesus before Annas. Um, and it's interesting, um, the high priest Annas here asks about uh, his disciples and his doctrine. Right, And Jesus says something that's very interesting. Right, He speaks openly. He teaches nothing in secret. I pointed this out to the children, architectural feature. Um, don't go to churches that don't have windows. I know, it's just a uh, it's an optional thing, but uh, windows are uh, actually a great confession, opportunity, of course, to tell stories and to bring beauty to the church, um, but also are meant to indicate that um, that our light shines forth um, out into the world, the light of Christ. 
especially at nighttime, you know, you see the light, the church, the lights within the church shining out, right, into the darkness of the world. I think that's important um, to indicate that we don't do anything in secret. Our doors are not locked. Um, one can look in and see what's happening, right? Um, it's only secret societies that have, uh, that refuse to reveal secret knowledge, right? Um, uh, my grandfather was a mason, right? So the, the uh, what are they called? Masonic lodges, right? They never have windows. Okay, so there you go, right? But he's here to publicly proclaim his fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, right? To all to all men. Um, and then again, the contrast between Peter and Jesus is significant, right? Because in verse 21, why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. Well, that's exactly what just happened to Peter out in the courtyard and he failed to speak, right? So weak, but weak men like Peter later gifted by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, right? And the absolution spoken in the upper room, peace be with you, feed my sheep, right? They will be the ones who actually boldly confess and testify to all that Jesus had said, but not yet, right? Not until his suffering and death and the giving of the Spirit, right? Now, uh, Annas will see him, send him to Caiaphas. So that kind of resumes where we left off before, of course. Finally, back to Peter. And again, uh, two more denials. If he's a disciple of Jesus, again, not I am he, but I am not he, Right, and then the last one is um, actually a relative of Mr. Malchus, the high priest servant's um, person. Right, so um, again, I am and I am not, which is very important, I think. Adam's denial was in a garden, but Peter's uh, was near the fire. So that might be there might be a contrast there. Adam denied the Lord in by in the garden. Peter denied him by fire. Right, we have light and darkness. One's done in day, the other's done at night. All sorts of things going on there, parallels. Of course, he denies it again in the rooster crows. Right? So that that's certainly common to all. Okay, so meditation then. John reminds us that Jesus is the son of David who was rejected in much the same way as the first David. Even as Absalom rebelled against his father, so the chief priests and the Pharisees rebelled against the father, God the father. Judas betrayed Jesus just like Ahithophel who, was counsel, who counseled Absalom. Peter's denial was like the momentary deflection of Hushai, whose counsel would undo Absalom in the end. The son of David is also the eternal son of God, whose name is I Am. One last time in the gospel, John clearly identifies Jesus with God, with the God of the burning bush, whom Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob worshipped. Though he couldn't have prevented his arrest, the Lamb of God willingly let them lead him away to suffering and death because he willed to save us. Caiaphas spoke of the proper sacrifice as the high priest should. It was Caiaphas who would offer up Jesus to be crucified and so declare him to be the final atoning sacrifice for sin. In this way, Jesus became the one man who died for the people. Excellent. All right, yesterday we sang, I think, one through three. Uh, so let's sing the last few stanzas here.
additional prayer. I will leave it at this. We pray. Almighty God, by your great goodness, mercifully look upon your people, that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, give us civil authorities who will serve with integrity and faithfulness for the maintenance of justice, for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of all those who do well. Grant all Christians faith in your gracious providence so that we may honor the civil authorities and contribute to the common welfare of our nation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray this day for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray for the households of our church, especially Paul and Paul, Ross, Chad and Jolene, Susan, who I saw yesterday, uh, Doug and Betty. We pray for our catechumens. We pray for those ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Joe, Kelsey, Marion, Walt, Christopher, Brad, Betty, and Doug, Joan, Don, Hoshea, Pat, and Richard, our homebound Marcella, Dan, Paul, Merlin, and Pauline, the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Camp Luisimo. Pray for those afflicted and those who are suffering. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. 
For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So, okay, it's been a joy to have you with us here for our congregation of prayer this day. Um, again, uh, prayer, keep in our prayers. That's who we should have prayed for. Um, it's for the families and the friends, especially um, from my from my perspective. I pray for the pastor of, of the congregation. Um, his nine-year-old daughter was one of those shot um, and killed and appears to be targeted by the shooter in particular. Um, and I would suggest um, that we'll find out it's because of the preaching of God's word, and namely the word of accusation um, that shows our sin, uh, which clearly the shooter um, knew quite well and was upset about. All right. Um, pray also for our country. Pray for um, that it is not be used um, to manipulate or coerce to remove freedoms, but rather um, we want to promote, promote um, defense, right? That, that uh, teachers, administrators, um, schools are able to defend themselves, not actually be subject um, to the whims and fancies of the mentally deranged. Um, pray for those who are um, intentionally um, trying to instill hatred and um, vengeance. Um, I could share some of that with you if you wanted, but uh, um, violence was being promoted because of um, the prohibition against um, sex change surgeries for minors in in. Tennessee, which was uh, just passed here recently. So um, that, that kind of behavior can't be uh, tolerated. I mean, if there is ever an example of hate speech, it's the targeting of a Christian church and school, particularly because of their confession of God's word, right? And, uh, and to not acknowledge that um, the role that our own government's rhetoric, our media, and social media in particular, um, but also all those who participate in this demonic obsession with um, um, changing one's sex, which isn't, it's not actually possible, but um, but it is a kind of captivity. Um, we need to pray that uh, the Lord actually bring and vindicate us, <laughs> defend our cause, and bring about uh, repentance for the forgiveness of sins, right? So that we can live repentant lives, uh, recognizing the great error that we have allowed to persist, right? Okay, so there you go. That uh, gives you plenty to pray for today, doesn't it? Right? But especially for the pastor and his family and that congregation, um, you know, none of us would wish that upon ourselves. And I think we can have a great deal of compassion there and sympathy, empathy, knowing um, that could be, that could be us, right, for the same reason. So God be with you all. Keep you safe. Uh, and I hope to see you again in the morning for prayer. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.